Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's time for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. I trust you're all inside right now, snuggled up with a, I would hope so. a blanket and a, a warm beverage. Yeah. We're in a nice warm studio, but gotta, this view behind us is fantastic. And it's pretty awesome. And it's pretty windy. And <laughs> pretty windy. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's behind me. It's in front of you guys. Yeah, it is a nice backdrop for the studio. That's awesome. Hopefully everybody's being safe. Yeah, so, so if you're listening in the car right now, slow down. I just yeah, drove down yeah. the grade right now, and there's some kooks out there. Yeah, isn't it crazy? Passing you going 75 miles an hour. I have a big old truck, and it like the wind is making it shift around in the lane. And then you know some like early 20s gal races by me in this like little like shoe car thing that just looked like you could flip it over with your hands i'm like really yeah slow down yeah what did you see about that semi that flipped over out there on 46 46 yeah. Or 41 yeah yeah isn't that crazy yeah i just saw a video earlier this week where that happened in like a windstorm uh-huh just flipped over and fell onto a cop car and i was what? like man that's crazy could you imagine that happening then the next day it happened well we basically had a hurricane yesterday so it was unbelievable amazing. yeah that wind was impressive a lot of down trees a lot of mm. a lot of destruction Going i've heard i've heard now maybe this is wrong they called it hurricane lucifer <laughs> I saw Lucifer. I th- the first time I saw that, I thought it was more of that fake news stuff. <laughs> but I saw that they were using that uh, moniker uh, uh, on a couple of different sites. So I guess that was the official. Let me. Get, I'm gonna see if I can find it. It's kind of weird. Huh. I feel like that's weird. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it was uh, insane yesterday. Stormy, yeah. but yeah. hopefully everybody's got their power back on. Oh, I don't think so yet, actually. We no. lost we lost power in our Morro Bay office for most of the day yesterday. Yeah, I had yeah. a nine thirty appointment. <laughs> Perfect. With a, yeah, with a client that does um, yeah. like IT programming type of stuff like that Are for you a living. Me? And he was not no. at all actually. It's, but he, I, <laughs> I brought up something about Hurricane Lucifer. It is Hurricane Lucifer, and apparently there was an audio clip at the beginning of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we're not kidding you. Actually, it is Hurricane Lucifer that's weird. calling it. I've I just heard feel of, like that's weird. I've heard of hurricanes. I've yeah. heard of, what is it, tropical sto- What are the different terms? This one's major Pacific storm. Yeah. I've never heard that before. I heard it was a Category 4, which is pretty insane. Wow. Atmospheric oh, river. No. Categ- category 5. Category 5. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a that's a that's a major. Yeah, one of my friends I saw on Facebook last night. One of my friends had like a bunch of their roof blow off yesterday. Oh wow! Like mainly just shingles. Like it exposed the paper below the shingles. But what a bummer is that? Like you just catch the wind just right where it just peels it up and tears it off. Now what? Get your tarps out and your nail gun since it's supposed to rain until like May or something. Yeah. 
I'm kind of tired of the rain. Yeah, it started as a typhoon storm and then became wow. a hurricane when it hit. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway. Yeah. We're all here this morning. That's a good thing. We made it. We're dry. Mm. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. I did see on my... Um, do you guys use that Weather Channel app on your iPhone? No. Like the iPhone weather? No, it's actually the Weather Channel. Uh, like the... That you're used to. I think they have a channel on TV, actually. That's a good yeah, name. They do. <laughs> That's a good name they have. It's yeah. a very obvious name. Um, it's super sweet, though, because, like, right now, I'm opening it up. And if you click, like, check this out. Oh, it crashed. That's so funny. It never crashed on me before. But anyways, there's a thing where you can click the radar. Huh. And then if you say go. Yeah, like, watch. See that? It'll show you the time sliding across the bottom. And then when the storm's like on you and it works pretty good, Whoa. you'll see it come and you can actually see the like colored uh, density of the radar come across yeah. you. Yeah. Like the last weekend I was um, working out in my yard, uh -huh. taking, taking the opportunity to pull some like knee high weeds. Yeah. <clears throat> the weeds are getting out of control because they're just getting plenty of water. So anyway, it was like sunny enough. I think it was Saturday. It was sunny enough. It wasn't supposed to rain again until like three. That's what my app said. So I go out there and I start pulling weeds. They pull well when the ground is like, well, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. just pure mud. Mm -hmm. So anyways, pulling a bunch of weeds. And then right there, I'm like looking at the app and it's like, oh yeah, 301. It's going to start raining. And I like look up. It's like 255. <laughs> and I'm like, this thing's wrong. Good. I got a little more time. Exactly. 301. I was soaked, man. It, like <laughs> They're good at knowing man. exactly when it's coming now. Yeah. Pretty wild. So, you know, actually it brings up a question. Um, all the storm damage and things like that, is it considered act of God on your homeowner's insurance? I'm yeah. not an insurance expert. I've never had a homeowner's insurance claim. In fact, I don't know too many people that have. Generally speaking, homeowner's insurance is one where, like, I uh, know, I see this from time to time. Somebody made a claim on their uh, homeowner's insurance at some yeah. point years past, mm -hmm. and they almost end up on some blacklist thing, you know? <laughs> so I, I feel like homeowner's insurance is uh, one of those things you just have to have, but God yeah. forbid you ever really need to use it. Uh, so I don't think you use it for little things like... You know, five hundred or thousand dollar damage. I think you're using it when you have like big damage. Yeah, say one um, of those eucalyptus trees comes down on your yeah, house. Yeah, like that. I mean, I do. Um, one of my friends um, back home, a tree on a huge Jeffrey pine on his lot fell in a rain and windstorm. Fell through the corner of the neighbor's house. Yeah. Thankfully, it was vacant and no one was hurt. Um, but. Interesting thing was they um, it was on his property and everyone knew it mm -hmm. and it crashed into another person's house and it was actually the other people's insurance that covered it wow. because and the way it all went down in the insurance stuff it was ultimately <laughs> determined that it was their their liability as their property their own property was damaged even though the tree came from a, an adjacent property because no one knew the tree. Like the tree wasn't known to be sick. Now, if the if my friend had known that his tree was sick and was advised that it should be removed and did it, now they have some liability in it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that that's one of the only ones I knew of. But it was covered as a tree fell through it, and you know it was taken care of. I don't know what happens after that. I'm sure your premiums double, and you get like yeah. 
banned for life. I'm just thinking, well, it became the neighbor's tree when the tree decided to move. Right? <laughs> I mean... Well, and what else? move that fence line over a couple <laughs> yeah. of feet. And got while a, got like, a new tenant. While they did own the, <laughs> while yeah. they did own the house for, yeah. I think they had owned it for five years or something like this. Um, the tree was like a sixty-year-old tree, or so. Arguably, they didn't invite the tree to their property in the first place. So when it decided to leave, right, <laughs> leave, get it? Yes, make like a tree. This this weather though can impact um, real estate transactions. Oh, absolutely. Just last was it was last week or early this week that the Orville Dam thing was a big issue. I mean, still uh, is, early this week. Yeah. Still is a still big is, issue. Actually, but, um, when it was the, well, everyone was evacuated. The emergency spillway, the, not the, the dam. The <laughs> dam is safe. Quit spreading fake news, Dan. Sorry, sorry. It's the spillway only. That yeah. could fail. It'd be fine. Um, so the spillway <laughs> <laughs> damage led to two hundred or two hundred thousand so thousand people, people being, being evacuated. Yeah. Mandatory evacuations. That basically that that move put all transactions in that area on, on hold. hold. You cannot <laughs> transact real estate when that kind of crisis is going on. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we're not in that kind of situation with down trees and things like that. But yeah. if it became any worse and became, you know, hit on anyone's radar, FEMA or someone like that, sure. then all of a sudden, you know, this is a watch area. You need to have reinspections by appraisers to make sure. You know, there wasn't significant damage to properties. We had something similar last year when um, the Nassimino fire was burning. Yeah. yeah. Um, if, if somebody was in transaction there, um, they ended up needing to have their property reinspected, basically to prove that it was still standing from the time that you began. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And I, to my knowledge, there's nothing like that going on right now. No. That being said, I saw headlines this morning on that weather channel app that said four people had died in this storm it sounded like those were mainly mm-hmm. auto like vehicle crash related but um man trees falling down everywhere one of my one of my buddies works at katie janney landscaping and so i've, I've follow him on Facebook and he put oh busy day yesterday he had like 29 photos of trees that had fallen on various properties around the county um, crazy. Morro Bay High had some trees fall in the fall student in parking cars, lot. Cars damaged some of those new um, solar panels. Oops, over there. On Thursday, I think it was. I was up in Atascadero and right near San Gabriel Road and Highway 41, right where they just did that nice new bike path. Oh yeah. All kinds of branches were down. I was. I mean, it seemed like someone had come through and just done it on purpose, but. I mean, they weren't cut. They were all no, they fell. broken and fallen. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other crazy thing, too, is that when it's um, the trees can be pretty stressed out from the drought. Yeah. So then they're not like full of water and have their general strength. Right. right. And so then before they're they haven't even totally caught up all the trees. And then you go saturate the heck out of the ground and throw a bunch of wind at it. That's how you have limbs breaking and trees tearing out of the ground. Yeah. Not to mention the coast over there, like those trees all around where you guys are, so many eukes everywhere, eucalyptus trees. And 
those are some huge, heavy, tall they trees. Are so tall, and yeah. oftentimes they're like planted in what's basically sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because they have very shallow root base. Yeah. Well, and they're in yeah. sand. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's basically yeah. a dune that they're planted on. Yeah. 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 Anyway, crazy. So good luck if you're dealing with a down tree or something. Uh, well, yeah, I think there's luck. still firewood power business is going to be booming this summer. There's still power outages because of the down trees too. Yeah. So. Oh boy, we got so much, so much stuff here. Oh, and you know what? I clipped some notes here. You know, we've been doing this thing where we talk about a loan product for a while. Uh, I clipped some notes here to talk about reverse mortgages later. Do you think we talk about that too much? No, I don't think we. I know I brought it, it up a few months ago. Um, there's new stuff. My reverse mortgage is coming about. It's a definitely a a program that's starting to get a lot of attention. Um, so I want to talk about that a little bit later. But there's some economic stuff too, and then the other thing too. Um, oh, let's start here. When I was driving in, I started to say to myself. Remember that time there was three Dans on the show, but you weren't here? It was Dan Knight and Dan Carpenter. Oh. And I think Mike Points was here. And talking about the rental inspection program. Yeah, that got repealed this yeah, week. I saw that. That's pretty wild, huh? Yeah. So Slow's got a new mayor, and they got some new city council. And there was a pretty good um grassroots organization of people. And that was why we had Dan Carpenter and Dan Knight on the show was to kind of, that was when they were getting, they were gathering signatures for the petition. And ultimately, you know, they, the idea here, we talked an awful lot about it on the show, um, but that rental inspection ordinance wasn't very popular and seemed like a, a small, this is usually the case, but it seemed like a small vocal minority was able to get it kind of, thrown on to the radar of the city and the city just kind of latched onto it because they thought it made sense and threw it into place and then upset a whole bunch of people that were mainly, I think the biggest issue was that people were feeling that it was just kind of an impediment of, of private property rights that either you as a tenant that now have an inspection forced on you or you as a landlord that are now exacted of another fee and another inspection inspection process and all these kind of things that, so anyway, that's that's how it came about, and they got together, uh, and the the local government here listened, and they repealed the ordinance. They did say that they're gonna um, try to sort of, you know, pick the good parts out of it, yeah, and yeah. see if they could come back with something. Yeah, um, it that, sounded like you know there were parts of it that that they liked and thought were valid and um, necessary, and, but then there were other parts that seemed overreaching, and right. you know. It, infringing on those private property rights things like that well and from what from what dan carpenter was sharing with us that day on the show is that there was like it was like 200 no sorry two million dollars um of additional budget expense that would go unmet for several years while they tried to get it to where the inspection fees would ultimately cover what the cost was of the implementation and policing of the program so Anyway, we'll we'll keep everybody up to date on what's going on there. But if you had, you know, I saw also that um, another friend on Facebook posted a, a letter that they got from the city yesterday. It was an email that said um, you had an inspection scheduled next week on X property. 
Um, your property inspection has now been canceled due to the repeal of this ordinance. Um, your fee will be refunded to you within such amount of time. Um, and so that pretty swift moving. They, wow. They scrapped it, and they're canceling the appointments and inspections and giving back the money. So I'm, I'm sure those, the Dans there are probably pretty thrilled that. Um, well, and it, I think it has something to do with too is that we just had that election, and so those some of those parties uh, changed hands, and maybe the direction of that a little bit listened, and so it's almost you know, like they kind of knew. Well, that was a major campaign. Yeah. It was a campaign point. Yeah. And yeah, definitely caused a big uproar last, in, pretty much immediately after it. Oh, man, yeah, right away. Well, the proposal yeah. came out, and everybody sort of flipped out about it during the proposal and then went on to go have the meetings where people voiced their, their dissent to it. And next thing you know, it passes. Yeah. So not surprising to me that it became a, a very, um, you know, contentious thing that was campaigned upon. But at the same time... It's nice to know that here locally, if that's what the majority of the people wanted, they were able to actually have an impact and change who's in those chairs and got rid of a policy they thought wasn't good for the local community. I typed up uh, I typed up this big thing and then I put it in bold so that I would remember to tell you this. I think Janet Yellen listens to our show. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, if you're out there listening, give us a give call. Give us a call. 543 We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> you said her yeah. voice is kind of like nails on a chalkboard to you. A little bit. Yeah. That's funny. Doesn't bother me at all. She kind of talks a little bit like Drew Barrymore, though, out of like one kind of more out of one part of her face than the other. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like her. I think she's cool. Um, anyway, I think she listens to the show. Last couple of weeks, well, what, last what couple weeks on the shows, we've been talking about rates, and I know last week you were off. You only listened to the first part of the show, and then went off to do something else. But Mike and I were talking about um, some of the the market nervousness about interest rates on account of there's all the normal stuff at play, right? New administration. What are they going to do? Tax codes, regulatory changes, just all the things I think that comes in the uh, change election outcome. But there's this deal where the Fed owns four and a half trillion of mortgage-backed securities, and they keep reinvesting everything that pays off. If there's a, a sale or a refi or whatever, they put that money back into buying more mortgage-backed securities. It's not a token amount of money. It's one to two billion dollars a day on average. And so um, the question started getting kicked around, and we were posing it here on the show. This is why I think Janet Yellen listens <laughs> to the show. She came out this week and indicated, I mean, she said a little bit of things that said that the feds were ultimately considering a rate hike at the March meeting. We really already knew that. I think they consider it at every meeting. Right now, the good money says that they're not going to hike rates until June. Um, but she also made some um, comment that makes us think that um, they're not going to start selling that portfolio, that $4.5 trillion portfolio. If they just took it to market and started selling it, competing for current stuff, that could really mess up supply and demand and cause a big splash in rates. So they're not even discussing selling it at all, which is very calming to everybody in the interest rate environment. Um, but then also said that um, the reinvestments would, and this is the key part, 
the reinvestment of that money will stop gradually. So at some point, kind of like tapering, the, if they have $2 billion this week pay off out of that security, rather than invest the whole $2 billion, they'll invest something less so that over time, that portfolio can shrink a little bit without ever having the opportunity to really shock the market. And so, um, I mean, that's a ton of money. It is. And all I can think is I'm less concerned about shocking the market than shocking the treasury balance sheet. I mean, what are... That's a how many did you say four trillion? Four point five trillion, trillion of mortgage-backed securities alone. This isn't even the bond half of what they sold. That were mostly acquired in the last four years or so at much lower interest rates. I mean, what are those those notes worth today? The the average coupon in those Fed treasuries is like a three and a half. Yeah. That's a that's a good five, six, you know, five to ten point loss, let's say. Yeah. That's a you don't want to just sell those. You want those. Well, that's the other thing. If you were holding all of that right now, staring down the barrel of rates going up to I don't know, where are they gonna go, Dan? Four and a quarter, four and a half, five. Do you want to be bringing your three and a halves to market against a five? No. Therefore, selling them, and I, this is, I mean, you're on to something here. Selling them is probably off the table for that reason. Yeah. You'll take your that 3% being said, or 3.5%. And just... Nice and slow, <laughs> gradual, non-reinvestment of it. If you sell your house or refinance your house or pay your house off or whatever you do to where that loan pays off to the Fed, they're going to quietly go, Cool. And at the same time, if they're reinvesting the three and a halfs into today's, I mean, today's coupon rates, like what, is it a four and a quarter today? Yeah, sure. So they're slowly reinvesting, you know, four to eight billion a month into something that's closer to the four and a quarter, right? So they're slowly bringing some of that portfolio closer to market as it is. But that means, like you say, they're definitely not just going to go out and sell it in um, so that's a good thing. And it, you know, that helped calm the market a little bit this week too. Um, mortgage interest rates finished the week slightly lower than they did last week. And last week was one of the first up weeks that we had in a while. Uh, basically I, th- I really think, um, it was six weeks or so in a row of gradual declines. And then last week we had that streak snapped with some upward movement this week we got most of that back. So um, anyway, the interest rate environment is looking a little bit greener, I think, this week. I also saw yesterday that the refinance application volume was at its lowest level since 2009. I believe it. You know what I predict? This is the thing that I think is a little bit freaky for uh, looking forward here. Next quarter, bank profits, and then each subsequent quarter is going to show. Um, I bet you these banks are going to lose that. They're not going to be making money. So many of these banks were making money off of the mortgages that were helping keep everything else afloat. Now that you have volumes going down quite rapidly around banks. I mean, most banks are at uh, somewhere between um, 30 and 50% of the volume that they had pre-election right now. So, um, you know, those bigger banks that don't have that ability really to 
to watch their overhead closely, and they've got a lot of things they have to do to to shed staff and close locations and all these kind of things. Not to mention, you know, you and I came from this world, um, and now we're in it to what feels like a much smaller degree. But when things go up a little bit, you can't go lay off all your people right away, believing that it's the new norm. Because what if it proves that was like, hey, that really was a winter slowdown, and now spring is gangbusters again, and you got rid of all your staff. So it's always a really tricky thing in figuring out how to handle the volume of a whole industry like that, and we'll see how they fare. But I predict the bank stocks are going to struggle based on earnings over the, the remainder of this year. Maybe a good time to short some bank stocks. I was going to say, that seems counter to what I've seen. Those bank stocks have been doing pretty well. Well, maybe with deregulation, they're going to be able to start. Maybe Wells Fargo is going to get to start opening up a bunch of tricky fake accounts again. (laughs) (laughs) I always always like it when I can gain a a non-microphone laugh from over here. Because I I can't even see... I can't even see Jim from around this monitor most of the time. <laughs> Monitors like one of those things that's like you know really big and everything, and Jason has to sit behind it, right because, behind it, because he can't see Dan, you know, unless he sits well, where he sits. So you know, it's difficult to have a conversation and speak right into there a microphone is. if you're facing the same way as the person you're talking to. Yeah, you know, should I flip this monitor around so we can take a break now? Um, no. yeah, let's do a break. All right. I was just thinking that this feels like a good time to do a break. Take a break, yeah. Yeah, pay, let's take pay a some break. break. Do some stretches and there it is. Get up, walk drink some more coffee. See if we can wake up. Yeah. So yeah, let's do a quick break, guys. We'll be back with more mortgage matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. I see you at our kids' Little League games. I bump into you at the grocery store, and it's always fun when we pass each other at Farmer's Market. I'm not a national bank or a faceless website. I'm a local lender, accountable, competitive, and ready to help. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN-CENTRAL COAST LENDING. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts. 
Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Welcome back. Dan, I was just predicting that bank stocks, I think, are going to struggle going forward. Yeah. Do you know this week they all went up? I told you that they've... Yeah. Well, the next little part of my notes here that, um, you know, we were going to get to soon anyway, s- telling us that bank stocks rose 1% this week. Um some a little bit more, but generally across the board, bank stops went up. One of the reasons why bank stocks went up this week, did you see the um, Fed Reserve Governor what, Tarullo? Is that how you say it? It's one of these names I read all the time, but I don't hear a lot. So anyway, that's how we'll say it. T-A-R-U-L-L-O. Tarullo. Sounds right. He's the head of the Fed's bank supervision. Also... Um, kind of made his name for made a name for himself where he was uh, one of the guys that kind of spearheaded some of the regulatory reform after the crash here. Anyway, that's his job. He's a he's a head of bank supervision. He's one of the um, he's one of the voting members of the Fed, um, and he decided to announce this week that he was out. He was. He's stepping down. Um, So he's announced a week ago Friday that he's officially resigned from his post. Hmm. Um, The, I guess it was somewhat anticipated. I think his effective date of being out is April 1st. So he's got a little bit more time to be in there. I mean, it seems like he'll go through the March meeting and then after that he'll be replaced. But he's one of the... um, He's one of the voting members. He's one of the people that was um, a lead guy in in getting some of the post-financial crisis regulations into place. And, uh, yeah, he announced to President Trump that he's officially resigning and out of the way. That's why bank stocks surged. Bank stocks surged under this idea that it paves the way for a new um, – some freshy blood in there getting rid of this guy that's been just weighing down the banks on uh, all this regulatory framework he's been putting into place. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah, like I said, I said it kind of joking, but maybe the banks get back to being profitable by doing some more shady stuff. I sure hope not. (laughs) He giggles again. Oh, Jim, 
It's not necessarily. It's such uh, a comedian, Jason. It's not a funny thing. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm not kidding. Yeah, is it? Really um, not. So anyway, it was right after he makes the announcement that bank stocks start surging. By the way. I'm out of here. Oh, that was a guy that was like a lead in all the regulation. <laughs> and Trump's saying he wants to deregulate. Now Now they can pick somebody that'll be of the, you know, the changing tide here. The new guard that wants to see less regulation. So we'll see. We'll be learning, I'm sure, in weeks to come about who's going to get that spot and uh, what that might mean. If you get somebody in there that really... Um, votes against interest rate hikes that's what i want <laughs> that's what I, want. I want them to pick somebody that's like i think we need to cut interest rates i want to go back to that those were good days weren't they though yeah they were good for business that's for sure they were dan they were good for households look at how many people we save so much money yeah some of our clients i some of our clients refinanced like they came to us in 2009 they had like six percent this might be a perfect segue. They got 5%, yeah, then they yeah, got 4%, then they got 3%. When you look at the overall change from 6% to 3%, some of these people are saving $1,000 a month in interest. I agree. That's money in the pocket of these. I mean, and I'm going to go here because most of the loans that we've done are for local people. That's San Luis County residents having an extra 1000 bucks a month to spend on things. Yeah, I might as well just... Loft you a softball segue here into your reverse mortgage discussion because oh, yeah? think about all the people that don't have mortgages on their homes. They own their homes free and clear, but their retirement accounts haven't been yielding any interest and you know they're they're seeing less it's income almost, as a result. So did, what what I did mean, you those hack people haven't been enjoying Did you <laughs> hack my computer and read my notes? I just know. Um <laughs> Funny though, um, I mean, we got to take some time. I guess we got a 20 minute run here so we can do a pretty good job at this, but we got to take some time and talk about this legitimately because um, what we're learning, and I know when I brought this to the show, I mean, I talk about this every couple of years and I want to preface this by saying, um, by no means is a reverse mortgage um, something that we're out advocating for on a daily basis. We've we do them infrequently. It's, it's a, just not the right loan for everyone, but it's right. the right loan for some people. Well, and so here's the thing. The some people portion of the population is growing right now. And it's for reasons you just mentioned and more. Uh, but here's the deal. Um, reverse mortgages are making their way into the spotlight now of the whole financial plan. That using your home and your home's equity can actually be a really huge plan for you. If you're living off of an IRA that's invested in the market, like you said, um, you know, if it or other things that are savings like rate based and they're not producing great, or you go through an environment it was just a few years ago where stocks and stuff were down from their um, previous highs. Those are things you don't really want to sell those when they're below value. And you could make an argument right now, too. You don't want to sell stocks that are um, actually performing pretty well right now um, to be able to cash those things in to cover living expenses today. Sometimes you're better off to leave those things in the market and let them keep doing their work as you figure out another way to take care of your monthly cash needs. So what we're seeing is more and more financial 
planners and advisors are starting to talk to uh, people that are over age 62 about putting this, the home into play, you know, and I know you can, it's easy to make a discussion either way um, about, you know, number one, if your house is paid off, that's a pretty great thing. You don't have a house payment. Um, so to go and put a reverse mortgage on it um, could mean that you're borrowing money against it now that you're, you know, you need to be able to justify why you're getting the money. If you have a house, um, the reverse mortgages that I've done, by the way, I don't think I've done, I haven't done one yet for somebody that has no mortgage. All of them have been refinance based where something is up, retirement, health problems, um, divorce, loss of a spouse, different reasons why um, needing to get rid of the mortgage payment on the existing loan has pretty much been the goal. So um, I, and, and maybe that makes sense that people are coming to me with a problem that I'm help solving. I'm not a financial advisor. So nobody comes to me saying, Hey, help me improve my overall you know, I have this house free and clear, and I'm just looking to make some aggressive financial moves to put myself into a better spot. We don't find that kind of client. Generally, what we have is somebody that's having a pretty major life event, be it like health. Health expenses are always a big one. If you end up needing to go to a care facility or have in-home care, one of these types of things, you or your spouse, I mean, you could be spending four to, I've heard of people spending over $10,000 a month on care like that. So those kinds of things. I mean, one of the ones that I'm doing right now is for this lovely woman um, in her mid-70s. Her husband recently decided um, that he didn't want to be married to her anymore. They lived in this house together forever. I, mean, his, I think his parents built it forever ago, and they've lived in this home forever. And, you know, I, I hate when it turns to these parts of the, you know, conversations that feel morbid or something, but this gal's in her 70s. She doesn't expect to live for 30 more years. And this is where she raised her family. It's her house. She's comfortable there. She doesn't want to leave there at any cost. Um, husband wants out of the marriage, out of the house, and is basically like, we can sell it. I don't care. You can have half of it. If you want the whole thing, you got to buy me out. And she's not loaded enough to be able to figure out how to lob this guy several hundred thousand dollars from under the mattress. So we're using a reverse mortgage to accomplish that, where she can stay in her house. And, um, you know, it, with so much things changing, at least what's not going to change is where she lives and all of her memories and, you know, all that kind of thing. It's a, as you could imagine already, you could picture, these are some emotionally charged conversations. None of this stuff is easy. These are the kind of people that I'm generally helping with reverse mortgage. I read this story this week about how these financial planners are entering the ring and they're saying, Hey, if you're 62, get a reverse mortgage. Um, you have no, you have no mortgage, get a reverse mortgage and get the line of credit option and don't even use it. Just let it grow because it grows over time, right? So you might need it in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. However long it might just be, if that thing's able to grow and keep the line of credit just keeps getting bigger and bigger where you're not actually experiencing any costs because you haven't borrowed against it. You have a real ace in the hole now of no matter what your health circumstances are, what your market might be doing in terms of your IRA or your pension. I mean, 
<laughs> raise your hand if you're absolutely perfectly certain that CalPERS is going to be paying your paycheck in 15 years. I don't think anybody's absolutely perfectly certain. There's some real concerns about Social Security. I mean, you and I, we're only in our late 30s here. My whole life I've been told, don't count on Social Security. It's not going to be there when it's time for you to get it. So consequently, I don't. Do you? Not to mention Social Security. I don't know what the actual maximum is, but it's like 23 or 4 or 500 bucks a month or something. Most of us, especially from our age group, we're not, that's not going to be doing, it's not going to help you. I mean, my health insurance is 3000 bucks a month now, so <laughs> imagine what it's going to be in 30 years. So point being though, is now we're starting to look at this bigger picture of like, hey, the goal was always pay your house off so you don't have a house payment. Well, now it's like turned into, okay, well now you're sitting on a million dollar asset and you're kind of got all these other things at play. Are you using your whole, you know, I kind of think people at some point were just like a big balance sheet, right? We got, we got inflows and outflows. We got some liabilities and we got some assets. And um, the idea of alienating your biggest and most powerful asset, just to say, I, I, I want this unencumbered. And sometimes, you know, and these are conversations I have with people too. Sometimes people say, well, I want to hand my, kids the paid off house i haven't been able to give them you know this other windfall inheritance but a paid off house is one of them that way you know the two of them they could rent it out if you know for thousands of dollars a month and split it they could sell it and split the money and do what they want to do with that whatever but I, it's really important to me that they have a paid off house sometimes people are are so hell-bent on that that they forget there's other things at play here that need to be considered and um you know what I usually tell people too, like I, one of the couples on there forget they're, they were getting liquidating stocks in IRA at a rate of about $6,000 a month to pay their mortgage and wow. keep their, um, household afloat. Now, luckily they're at an appropriate age and it amassed a couple million bucks, but you can do the math, especially in a down market. If you're taking $80,000 a year out of your investment account to pay a debt while you, you know, it's like. So what we talked about was, well, look, if you got a reverse mortgage and stopped that mortgage, then you could reduce your draw on your retirement accounts by 3500 bucks a month, which is going to preserve that in a spot where now you're giving them that asset. And now instead what you're doing is you're depleting an asset at a pretty rapid base to play, you know, to pay down this loan that's debt service for you. And you know, in that case, it wasn't that wasn't their plan. They always thought they would have their house paid off, and they thought that things would be a little bit different. But um, these people sort of found themselves in a really awkward place um, when the recession hit big times, right? So, anyway, um, that those are kind of interesting things. And what I wanted to share with people too, as we talked a little bit about reverse mortgages, I don't doubt somebody's listening right now, um, thinking, huh hadn't thought about that yet. Or if they had thought about it, immediately they thought about, I don't ever want to be kicked out of my house. I don't want to lose my house. And I don't want my kids to not be able to inherit my house. And so that gets me to the point, whenever I talk about reverse mortgages, I got to spend an equal amount of time talking about how this is the most misunderstood loan program that exists today. And it's about this point in particular. Right here. This is it. You don't ever lose your house. 
there's some circumstances, there's a set of like three circumstances where you could be forced to pay off your reverse mortgage by way of writing a check or selling your house. And that or is- Or refinance. Or, yeah, or refinance into a, a standard loan again. Um, and, and here they are. If the if both of the members, so say two people qualify for reverse mortgage, it's their house and they both die, the estate generally has a year to take care of. That's it. You know, what are we going to do? Sell the house, refinance the house, use other money from the estate to pay it off. Um, if the reverse mortgage kind of steps in and says, by way of HUD, they will say, you know, this house has to be sold now. Um, you still get the balance. If you owed $400,000 on your reverse mortgage on a $600,000 house, by the time all the dust settles, they go through the cost and everything, the state's still going to get a check for what the equity is in the house. Um, the other way that you can, um, you know, be asked to pay off your reverse mortgage so you're still alive but you're unable to occupy the home anymore. So if you are forced to move into like an assisted living facility where you need 24-hour care now that's off-site, so you're now moving out of the house entirely, that's another event where whoever's hand handling your affairs needs to help you by putting the house up for sale or, again, paying it off with other money in the estate or um, you could do a refinance if there's some way to qualify for a, a forward mortgage at that point. Um, so it's really it's really about whether or not you can occupy the home for it, it, within a twelve month period. If right. you can't be occupy the home at all within a twelve month period, then you, you need to be able to be there for fifty one percent of the time in the year. But you know, I mean, that's a that's and sometimes a, people leave to go out. By the way, like maybe you have something happen like a stroke. Okay, so you have to leave the house, and now you're in a you go from the hospital to a rehabilitation care facility type of thing where they do some occupational therapy. They get you back on your feet. Eight months later, you're back in your house. You're fine. You're fine. Um, and so, and then the other thing too is there's somehow there's this idea that when you get a reverse mortgage that you're giving up the deed or something to your house. You're not. You are getting a loan that instead of making a payment on the loan, the interest for that loan is just added back to the loan balance. So yes, the loan is growing every month. I mean, we know that term to be negatively amortizing is ultimately what it means. Um, but at the start of the reverse mortgage, there's calculations done about the maximum that you're able to borrow. It's generally, I mean, it's always based on age, but it's generally you're going to get like 55% or so of your home's value at the max. You yeah. could get things that high and you got to be old to get it that high. Mm -hmm. We're not going to give a reverse mortgage to a 62 year old leveraging their home at that far as you might for a 95 year old, sure. because I mean, just it's as sad as it sounds, it's just in the tables that that 95 year old doesn't have a likely lifespan of 15 more years where this, the person that's 62 very well could. So it has to do with your age and, and that's how they determine your kind of maximum principal loan amount that you can borrow. Um, but if you get on one of the plans where there's a draw, so you start taking money out of it, uh, you can hit a point where you're not going to get money anymore because you've maximized what you're allowed to take out of the house. Um, if you do the line of credit option, the line of credit grows every year. So you can actually hit the limit, and then the next year, a little bit of it's going to be restored. They make a little bit more available to you. Um, 
The other thing that I want to say about the reverse mortgage here, and this is a really important thing, if you're you're one of the people that's like, well, I, I want to learn more about it because I, I can't tell you everything about it today. And a lot of the conversation ends up needing to be custom tailored to you and your circumstances. And we need to take into account who's taking care of you and who's managing your affairs and who's going to be the, you know, taking over your estate when you pass away. Um, all of the reverse mortgage stuff starts with counseling with a HUD approved counselor. And you have to go to counseling before you can apply for a reverse mortgage. And I don't go to counseling with you. Yeah, it's this not is, something affiliated with our company or nope. any mortgage lender. If it's an independent. HUD provides a list of the counselors that have completed the training necessary to be able to give you objective education about the reverse mortgage process. You're absent of, you know, I hate to think of myself as like, a commission type of salesperson, um, but you're absent of a commission type of salesperson that could potentially have clouded judgment or be, you know, upselling you on some parts while breezing over some of the more negative parts. So in this situation, you're going to go see the counselor either in person or over the phone absent of somebody that might be influencing you. Um, and then also they want that person that's going to be, um, your power of attorney or your um, your trustee, they want that person that's going to be in charge of making some of those tough decisions um, later to be a part of that counseling. Yeah, it can't just be the borrower. It has to be the borrower and one other person. Yeah, and, and of course, you have to be able to be, you know, mentally able to have these conversations and understand what you're getting into. And so... Again, the reason why I bring this up today, it's gaining more and more momentum amongst financial planners that are trying to take a more holistic approach at the best way people can manage their own finances, um, their estate, and, and their current and future needs through retirement. Um, it doesn't have the negative connotation that it used to have. Now you got like Tom Selleck, right? I was say, yeah, you got all the celebrities talking trying about to reassure movies. you, and because you trust him, you know. I watched him on Magnum well, he PI. Was on or, Magnum PI. He's so a good guy. Now I, yeah, and he was a good guy, and so he's got my best interest at heart too. <laughs> I think those things are funny to begin with, but that being said, there's the the commercials are out there. You see it in in targeted programming. The advertisers are pretty good, um, and the point is. Um, if you guys want to talk about this option, uh, want to try to get some advice, uh, sometimes what I get is a phone call from um, they're calling for their parents. And when they call, they're in their 60s and their parents are in their 80s. And, you know, well, mom and dad are you know, have these needs or these challenges or being stressed out in these ways. And I just really need to figure out how to help them. And oftentimes we'll go through and look at, you know, all of the options we want to see. Can you benefit from a regular mortgage? Does it make the most sense? Is it cheaper, more cost effective? Um, and, and then at times what you end up is kind of at the once you're over 62, you've got an option that nobody under 62 has, which is to be able to do one of these reverse mortgages. And like I said earlier, this is not the right thing for everyone. And this is the reason why, um, I mean, it makes up less than half of 1% of our total volume of our company. It's not something that we're out doing heavy marketing on. It's not something that we're trying to 
to to push and get people thinking that it's the thing they need to do if they're over 62. That's not the goal at all. But somebody today is listening or thinking about uh, a friend or family member or a neighbor or somebody that, you know, maybe just got hit with a bomb that, you know, you'd, but maybe you do, you have a stroke and now you got partial paralysis and you're looking at having, needing somebody to come in home to care for you part of the day and you have no idea how you're going to pay for it. Um, this could be one of the tools in the bag that might help pay for that and, and give you that ability to be able to, to live comfortably in your home without all the added stress of, you know, whatever that new condition might be. Yeah, I think cash flow shortages, monthly cash flow shortages is probably the primary reason why you would do it. I, I like the line of credit as a safety net idea as well. I think that's, that's a, a good use of it. Yeah, because oftentimes when you go to get that line of credit later you either don't have time or it's too late or your need is really imminent. Yeah. And oftentimes these loans like today in this environment, a reverse mortgage takes about 30 or 45 days to get done. Sometimes you need money tomorrow, especially mm -hmm. if it's health related. So, um, but yeah. you know, if you're, if you're elderly and your fixed income just isn't meeting needs, you're not able to go out and enjoy your life. You're not able to go out and have dinner with your friends or go buy a new pair of shoes. I mean, one of the couples I did one for, I ran into them. Um, I, I see them actually periodically every couple of years because slow is a small town. Um, they used theirs to go dote on their grandkids, yeah. travel the world, um, and, you know, are just, and also, by the way, they're able to save money now because they don't have the mortgage anymore. So they're really have increased their enjoyment so much. And so many times we're saving money for our kids. And sometimes you need to just pick your head up and say, my kids are okay. They're two, one's an attorney and one's a doctor and they've got tons of money and retirement plans and things set up. Inheriting your house is no longer the biggest thing anymore. So just food for thought. If you guys want that help, give us a call this week at the office and we can start those conversations. We got the top of the hour break. So we'll be back in five minutes for a whole nother hour of Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Music bed of our show. It's just raining. Not at all. Every, I have. We have. We have yeah, seen the rain I've this week. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. Uh, I want to understand better how they got the like. I don't know if it's the meteorologist or who, but mm -hmm. three years ago was like 
El Nino is coming. You know, yeah. you get ready. Careful what you ask for. Watch this. And then nothing. Disappointing rain. Uh-huh. We didn't even hit. I don't even think we hit average rainfall. Uh-huh. And then they were like, well, you know, it's a two-year cycle. Yeah. And next year, that's going to be the one. So yeah, sort of. This year was disappointing. Here you go. Yeah. So then last year, I mean, eh, think about it. Was last year kind of average? Yeah. Maybe uh, last below. year was weak. Yeah. It didn't even rain that much. And so then it was kind of like, yeah. that was it. That was kind of all I heard. All right. Well, the meteorologists missed it. Evidently, they don't understand the El Nino and the warm blob yeah. and all these things they thought they did very well. Yeah. And I heard some things this summer where they said, well, you know. Yeah. In the winter, you're going to get some La Nina, mm-hmm. which is nowhere near like El Nino. Yeah. It's like La Nina, right? La Nina. So I'm thinking, oh, good. It's going to rain. That's fine. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. like, I think they need to revisit. We're over 20 inches now. Yeah. Oh, well over. Well, we're well, like, yeah. we're dusting the, the annual average totals already, and we still have like, mm-hmm. I know what it goes like July through September or something. Yeah. But it's now we soggy. Got like, I'm soggy. I'm tired of it. Now we're going to get March because we get rain through March and April sometimes. Do you feel pale? I feel pale. I do feel pale. Dan, yeah. you feel pale? Yeah. I feel pale. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's, I'm not usually need some vitamin a lot of sun D here in January and February. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you can. It's I mean, just because. Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying you live the rain, honestly. Uh, you are still? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have seasons. As much as I love our year-round amazing weather, it's kind of nice to have a winter season. I feel like it's been a few years since I've had a winter. Winter, yeah. It's going to be a great lake year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the summer is going to be amazing because of all this rain. Yeah, what do your parents say? I mean, uh, because your your family's up in the mountain area. They, you know, Southern California, they've had a lot of this is mist. Really? Yeah. Um, like the Big Bear Lake is still really down. Really? Yeah, very down. And, um, you know, same thing. I, I know that this storm was sort of going to hit a little bit harder down in like yeah. Santa Barbara and Ventura counties. Yeah. Um, but like if you go look at, uh, Lake Kachuma down there, yeah, it's bad. they're, really, yeah, really it's bad. still really low. A lot of these storms have been missing them and they're not getting, it's yeah. not filling up the reservoirs the way that they need it to. So yeah, maybe this is their turn. Though. I think this, it is. This storm Actually, is heading down there. It's heading down there more. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's exciting. Yeah. Pretty soon this drought will be just a thing of the past. I hope so. Yeah. I'm, I'm about to turn all my sprinklers back on to seven days a week. Yeah. <laughs> Start washing my car again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. I, I haven't even had sprinklers yeah. on. By the way, is your plumbing problem fixed? <laughs> my house is underwater, man. Oh. It's a moat. I just need a dragon and a drawbridge now. I've I've given up the idea of thinking anything is going to drain or whatever. Hmm. It's watertight. I guess that's the good thing. Carpet's dry. Awesome. <laughs> it's always a good thing. <laughs> yep. Oh man, there's there's people that are dealing with some serious water issues today. I'm not among the complainers. I'm just ready for sun. That's all. I think it'd be nice if we got some sunshine for a few days. Here it's like I feel like it's rained for like 35 of the last 45 days. So much rain. <laughs> all righty, Mr. Dan. What do you think? I think that was a good discussion about reverse mortgages. 
Yeah. I think that was good. I think our audience appreciates that. I know from time to time we get calls uh, asking for that program in particular to be reviewed on the air. Yep. And, you know, it is, it's, it's one that's long been misunderstood and, you know, there is no threat to lose your home over it. It's just a way to, it's another financial planning tool. And I'm, I, I think it's good that financial planners are starting to embrace it as a financial planning tool. Mm-hmm. You know, it is something you spend 30 or more years putting money into. It should, um, you know, benefit you when it's necessary, when you need it to. So it's a, it's a good program. Yeah, it's a good program if you can kind of spend a little time objectively learning about it and getting past those myths. Because most people, if you just go stop somebody on the street and say, oh, what do you know about reverse mortgages? Well, I know I'll never do one. You know, I'm not, I didn't work my whole life to get this house and just turn it over to the bank. Boy, yeah. we got a lot of work to do to, to break down these myths and get people understanding exactly how the whole thing works out. Um, I thought we could spend a little time today talking about um, the home buying process a little bit, because we're, we're getting pretty darn close here to what's traditionally the beginning of home buying season. Um, we're starting to see, you know, each week the local MLS um, areas get together with all the realtors and they all talk about their new listings and they they let their um, peers know about the new listings that they have that they're ready to, to put on the MLS and, you know, start to generate some buzz about these new homes that are hitting the market and get their clients interested and excited and checking out the homes and making offers. Um, so that we're starting to see that inventory pick up a lot here in the last few weeks. Um, and, you know, eventually this rain will stop and people will want to get out on weekends and go look at look at homes <laughs> and make offers. So um, I think it's important to understand for a lot of people who've never bought a home before or even people who have bought a home, things are are maybe a little different since the last time you transacted real estate and getting the mortgage pre-approval is a very, very important first step anymore. I, yeah, I, as you well know, we've been talking about this a lot in recent weeks within the company. And, you know, the message that I want to give to people is, you know, you're historically, it, it's about buying a home, right? So people believe that they're a buyer. I'm a home buyer. I want to challenge people to remember that you're a borrower, <laughs> you're a home borrower. You need to go borrow a large sum of money. The terms at which you borrow have tremendous impact and not all lenders are equal. And if you get your ordering done correctly on this and, and find yourself first as a borrower before being a buyer. Um, some, there's some really great things that come of it. And I, and I'll give you this as a jumping off point, your interest rate, your closing cost, your monthly payment, all of these things are tied to, and your mortgage insurance, if you have to have mortgage insurance, these are all tied to, um, your credit score and your debt to income ratio. And so credit score, I bring up because if your credit score, like I'm, I'm working with a friend of ours right now who we bought his house two years ago in May. So we're creeping up on two years. He almost has 20% equity. He did an FHA loan with three and a half percent down. He almost has 20% equity. In fact, we think it's close. Um, 
we got his credit score from like a 640 up to right now a 698. Uh, so it's close. so close. Um, and so for a lot of you, well, I, what's the context of a 698? Well, here's the deal is that all of these risk-based um pricing adjustments to a loan for mortgage insurance and interest rate and closing costs are tied to your credit score. For most part, conventional loans are, um, I mean, every lender will do somebody with a 620, um, but you can get, you know, to some specific lenders, you can do conventional lending down to 580. That being said, 620 to 640 is going to be Higher priced, riskier credit, 640 to 660, a little bit better, 660 to 680, a little bit better, 680 to 700, a little bit better. See the pattern here? Yeah. 20 20 points. 20 point buckets. 20 point buckets. And then at the same time on the matrix where you sort of are lining up your X and Y column, your X is your credit score and your Y is your equity. So if you have a 660 and 20% equity, um, you know, a 660 with 30% equity is going to get you generally better terms. And so what you're trying to do is get yourself into a spot. If you're a home buyer, um, the very best credit that you can have, um, in terms of buying a house is 760. Every lender nationally, 760 is like top, top tier. You could have an 850. You're not getting better terms than you're getting at a 760. Okay. So 760 then should be the goal. So now I got to ask you, so you work at Cal Poly, you do, you know, you work in the admin doing records. Um, How, what's your expertise in credit score? You know how to get to a 760? Do you even know what your credit score is? Have any idea? And for the most part, it's no, you know, I know I have pretty good credit. I got a, I got a. I I checked the free credit score thing and I got my seven. Yeah, the the needle was like in green, (laughs) told me it was good. Um, Yeah, well, you got a 743 on that thing. Those consumer soft pull look-ins to your credit aren't the same as what we use in the industry for a residential merged credit report of looking at all three bureaus. The models are a little bit more strict. Um, So that being said, if you call yourself a home buyer and you walk up, you know, call the realtor. Hey, I'm ready to start looking at homes. Um, you're, you've got the cart before the horse now. Because if you start with me, when you call me and you say, I'm a potential home buyer, I'm going to say, okay, well, you're a potential borrower. And let's get that nailed down. Let me look at your credit report. I am an expert in credit. Let me see what I can do to get you from a 741 to a 760, especially if you don't have 20% down. Those factors compound when you don't have the full 20% down. Um, These are the kind of things that end up forcing you into getting an FHA loan because the FHA loan, they have like one price adjuster. It's your above or below 720, and it's a pretty nominal adjuster. On conventional loans, it's massive. This can be the difference of three points in closing costs. Um, And with your mortgage insurance adjusters and everything, this could be changing your payment by four or 500 bucks a month if you're talking on a conventional loan with a 660 credit score versus an FHA loan with a 660 credit score. So if you if you walk into my office in love with a house, in fact, you're trying to write an offer on this house today on Saturday and your realtor now dropped the bomb on you that you need a pre-approval letter and you should call me, I can do that for you, but I can't. I can't give you everything I have to offer. We don't have time. 
sometimes I need a month or two or three or six months to to get you onto a credit path that has your score where you're optimized for buying. Um, sometimes we need to talk about assets and where you have them. Some This might trip you guys out. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, people will come in and say, yeah, I've, um, I've been saving my tips. So I've been working. I, I work as a, a waiter at Windows on the Water. I make $200 a night in tips, and I save my tips in a shoebox at my house. So I, I counted it up the other day. I had no idea how much it was. I counted it up, and it's $16,000 I want to buy a house. You can't do shoebox money in today's regulatory environment. That's something I need to know about two months ago because we need to get that money into your bank and get to a point where it's seasoned where – you know, kind of nobody's the wiser that that money was was shoebox money. It, it needs to appear as though it's savings. And all these loan programs typically require two months of bank statements where large deposits need to be sourced. So we need to put the money in the bank and let two statements cycle to be able to make this work. And, and if that's the deal, um, or sometimes also gift funds from grandma, grandma's giving me 5,000 bucks. Cool. If you can, let's get it in the bank. It's an easier route to go. And, you know, sometimes I need two months to work on your credit anyway. So if we can get the asset stuff straightened out while I'm fixing the credit and helping you get your plan together, see what I'm saying? That's a borrower. That And this yeah. is, to me, this is the crux of it. And I don't ever want to... I mean, and by the way, real estate agents that are listening today are going to agree 100%. Well, the first question they're going to ask you when you call them to go look for houses is, are you pre-approved? Have you talked with a lender yet? So it's the first step of this process. It's, you yeah. know, we'll, we'll get people in a lot of times and we'll start talking about hypothetical purchase prices and today's interest rates and what that means for monthly payment and where are you comfortable and... We find that we can qualify them up to $3,500 a month, but they were only prepared to spend $2,500 a month. But then they're faced with the real reality of what home prices actually are and what payments actually are. And right. they didn't think that property taxes could possibly be $600 a month. Right. And so now they've got to go home with all this new information and do some soul searching. Yeah. Well, What's and if really you... important? How much of a house do we want to buy? When you get online and start poking around, you know, you'll read these articles where you need to know. I'm going to read this one article and it tells me you're going to have to have principal and interest. And some people will ask right there, well, is the mortgage payment, that is principal and interest, right? There's not another charge. Yeah. If you're doing a fully amortized loan, yes, that's all in there. So Article A tells them they need to have homeowner's insurance. Then they're on another article that tells them they have to have hazard insurance with no mention of homeowners. And there's a third one that tells them that they need the fire and liability insurance. So oftentimes they get these people that have done a great job of doing internet research and they sit down and they go, okay, I don't know if I need homeowner's insurance, hazard insurance, or fire and liability insurance. And, you, and all right, slow down. These That's synonymous for all the same thing. And depending on where you go, a $400,000 house, you could find homeowner's insurance that's as little as 40 bucks a month. It might also be 80 bucks a month. You know, your your gun collection or your furs or your jewelry or your model trains, whatever you got could drive those numbers too. But point being, when you sit down, like you said, Dan, to really get a clear and concise understanding of what those details are, um, knowing exactly what it's, what are the costs in this and what should I be looking at? 
Um, I'll tell you, this is funny. You know, my wife and I, we've bought a few houses together and she doesn't work in the loan business. You know, I do. So obviously I'm putting an awful lot of um, my knowledge to work when we start getting out there and looking. She'll look at a house and go, oh, oh, babe, look at this house. You know, look, it, it's only $95,000 more. And I'm like, that is $600 a month more than what we're talking about here. Um, and guess what, you guys? The $100,000 price difference, guess which house you're going to like more? <laughs> the one that costs The more, more. expensive one. <laughs> and if you haven't done your job right because you, did, you didn't look at principal and interest, taxes and insurance, mortgage insurance, you didn't estimate that correctly. And by the way, a lot of the online calculators are a little bit misleading. Their number one job is to get you to call. So I was just going to say, I, people all the time are like, well, I'm getting all these ads online that I, I could get a 30-year loan at 3.5%. So why are you telling me it's four and a quarter? Well, well sure, you can get a 30-year loan fixed for five years at 3.5%. No problem. Is that what you want? Right. Because we can do that. <laughs> yeah, or or it's an ad that's very misleading because they're having you basically prepay five years worth of interest to get that lower rate. And it doesn't make sense to do that except for in real unique situations. So again, going back to it, one of the other reasons why you want to get pre-approved gives me time to work on your credit. It gives me time to give you advice about your assets. We had a borrower recently who had um, an auto allowance, recently got a promotion. Boss didn't want to give them the raise that they really wanted, but said, tell you what, I'll give you a $600 a month auto allowance. Well, in my world, you have to have a two-year history of getting an auto allowance. So I can't even count that. And, and for this borrower, it's like, well, now I don't have to make my car payment anymore. It covers also, you know, my part of my gas and my insurance so I can afford more house payment. The bummer is that doesn't help you qualify because you don't have a two-year history of getting auto allowance. So in this particular case, we sent the borrower back to the employer to say, we actually really just need you to take away the 600 buck car allowance mm. and add it to salary because I'm trying to buy a home and I had no idea that that wouldn't work, but this is what I need to do to be able to buy a house. These particular people were already in escrow, by the way, because they, they did it backwards. Um, luckily, the um, the manager agreed and was able to make that change, but sometimes they won't. Um, these are things you need to know. You don't know that. Like I said, you work at Cal Poly in the records department. You don't know a lot about how we calculate income and, you know, these different things. So it allows us to get our hands in and and, and help you have a plan. Um, the other part of this thing, I mean, shift gears a little bit away from the technical underwriting side of it, the qualifying component to it, um, and move back over to that other kind of more human side, the more out, outside of the underwriting room side is... How about just having appropriate expectations? Most of us at night, um, if you got the TV on, you got your laptop in your lap. And if you're, you know, if you're getting into the home buying thing, you you pull up realtor.com. I don't know where you go, but you pull up one of the many real estate sites and you start looking at houses. And then right there on the right, it tells you you could have this house for $22.56 per month estimated. And that number, by the way, is generally very misleading. Um, but that being said, because those more expensive houses are always nicer, they're always better. They're always more appealing. They've always got the feature that the cheaper house doesn't have. Um, don't torture yourself that way. Having 
an appropriate pre-approval before you start doing all of that just gets you into a place, not only qualification-wise, but now mentally you're in a spot where you understand what your real uh, boundary needs to be based on, like you said, most people need to self-govern. They're going to qualify for more than they feel comfortable budgeting for their house payment every month. So that being said, they need to really know what that framework is and then draw a hard line, you know? The other thing that's funny is like, so if you you pull up a listing and you see a house listed for four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, what do you think you could buy that house for? Right, three seventy five. That's sure, what I'd offer. Sure. They're not even gonna look at your offer. They're gonna laugh you out of the house. We have statistics that show in Slow County, most of the time these homes are selling for ninety nine percent of list value. So. Having these conversations, don't go think that, well, I'm off for 400 on every house that's worth 450 So, you know, I like the payment of 400 so I'm looking at houses that are 450 You're torturing yourself. And I'll tell you what happens because it happens 50% of the time for people that I pre-qualify. You start doing that and you thought, you you told yourself, my max budget's 2700 Now you wrote a $400,000 offer on a $450,000 house. They came back and countered. Now you're up in the mix. You're moving in in your mind. Next thing you know, you're in escrow for four forty five, and that payment that was going to be twenty seven hundred is now thirty one fifty. So you know, congratulations you you didn't do this the way that you probably should have, and now you're you're kind of over a barrel, and you have yourself to you know to blame. And so again, getting pre qualified. Biggest thing I think for most people is going to be um, you're getting proper expectations set right away. You know what you should be looking at. You know what, you know, in the ballpark of what you're going to get. You understand those things completely. Um, you've worked through any issues. No. Yeah. You've, yeah. So now you're potentially setting yourselves up for a less stressful transaction going through um, and you know, less surprises. Buying a home, like, and I know this because I just bought another, you know, I sold my house and bought a new house in December. I do this for a living. I want to tell you, it is stressful. And there's days when you don't have a lot of certainty. And there are things that just because of the nature of, there's something psychological for us about the our shelter, you know, especially if you, in my case, you know, I have a wife and kids, my shelter, it's, it's a, one of those things where you don't even really realize psychologically what kind of battle you're about to go through when you go do this. And so having really firm footing on understanding the financial side of it before you're out there deciding whether or not you want, you know, a, a, a entry, a double entry, or do you want to like, you know, do you want a, do you want to find a house with quartz countertops instead of granite? There's a there. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff. You're going to have to decide. Let's start and get firmly footed on the financial aspect of this first establish yourself as a qualified and prepared borrower and then enter the buyer world. Um, that's a, that's just, I wish that we taught that to kids in high school today is that, you know, and and by the way, this is true too. Are you guys, either of you, in the market for a new car right now? Not really. Yeah. No, not quite. All right. Maybe so, soon, but. if you went and sat down though in like a 2017 model car today, <laughs> what, what year is your car? What year is your car? It's an 05. Mine's an 06. I'm an 02. Yeah. When you sit down in a 2017, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Man, nice. yeah. it's unbelievable. 
Bluetooth, <laughs> everything's all hooked up. Your phone's talking to things, and awesome. it's like it's got all these creature comforts. There's air conditioning on your buns. I mean, you're just yeah. loving this car. And if you just go sit down in there today, knowing nothing about it, um, your chances of finding yourself in that finance room at mm. their mercy and leaving there with a car. <laughs> I mean, they sit you down, and the first question is, "Well, um, what's your ideal monthly payment, Dan?" Yeah. Uh-huh. What 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 can and they you always afford? come back with like three hundred dollars more than that per month? But anyway. well, not only that, but it's like, <laughs> you know, well, I can get I can get you uh, I can get you in this car for yeah, four hundred we'll bucks a month. Just make it an eight year term. It's Perfect. a nine year car. Yeah, <laughs> one, well, that's really nice. Good, good, good. But flip side of that coin, same yeah. way. And the reason I bring this up is this is what I want all consumers to think in terms of finance, not just homes. Don't go into that car dealership before you've looked at consumer reports. You're, are you on the right dealership lot or even selecting the right brand? Or are you at no. Chevy because your dad drove Chevy and you just, that's the best for you? Um, but then also knowing what kind of finance offers are out there. What are their gimmicks? What can you get? You got to arm yourselves now because you're about to go sit down with some salespeople that are, they're making commission. Um, and they're and good they at what they do. They're closers, man. They know yeah. what they're doing. And no matter what you're buying, being an educated consumer that understands the financial implications of it first, I just think are paramount to everything else. Um, we should probably take a break. Let's take a break. break. Let's do that. Uh, we got a quick commercial break here. And then we got about another half an hour with you here on Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. I think I'll go for a walk outside now. The summer sun's calling my name. I hear you now, I just can't stay inside all day. I gotta get out, get 
I knew you guys would get a kick out of this. The Brady Bunch, yeah. Yeah. When the kids went on that TV show to win the silver platter for their mom, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's funny. Have you ever seen the movie? The Very Brady movie? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Or Very Brady, Brady sequel. You got to watch those down. They're just so funny. Yeah, they're stuck in the 70s in about the early 2000s. It's pretty funny. I guess we watched all the reruns of this, but I feel like uh, I grew up watching that. Uh, yeah, Brady we did. Bunch. Definitely, we watched him. That's fun. Um, oh, we have a caller calling. Cool. We were talking about that um, inspection ordinance thing earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Wes, I, I think he was there at the meeting. The yeah, other I know he got mentioned somewhere. He sent me a we text. We have Wes on the phone right now. Oh, I'll put on here in just a second. That's perfect. Let's add Wes to the mix. All right. There you go, Wes. Wes. Hey, guys. What's up, stranger? Wes, how are you doing? Good. Oh, just greatness here inside dry talking about. <laughs> I think Wes would have enjoyed the Brady Bunch sunshine day coming back from that break. I'm sure he would have. He got a smile out of that one. I would have gotten a smile out of that. I, I missed it here, though. You guys are having a good show, man. I, I've uh, listened to most. I've had to take a couple calls and, and miss bits here and there. But you started out early talking about the uh, the meeting that the Slow City Council had, and I happened to be there, and um, I thought I might give you a little uh, opinion about that whole occurrence. Yeah, please, please do. I was not there. I, I only got to pick up the tidbits off of you know, social media and those kind of things. So tell me. Well, it was a really, it was an interesting um, experience for sure. The, uh, it was, there was about two, 250 people there. And as you walked in, they had a board set up and you could vote uh, by placing a little sticky dot on the board. I and, saw that picture. Yeah. The questions were, um, do you support a full repeal and just basically a disbandment of the whole concept of, you know, rental inspections. And the other column was, you know, basically repeal the existing ordinance and replace it with something new. And, and it was uh, clear that overwhelmingly the people, the, the community was there in support of simply repealing it. Full repeal. And, yeah, full repeal. And there were um, actually, a, you know, an argument to be made that um, several of the elected council members kind of uh, campaigned on that platform as well, but once you got into the meeting and saw that the way they had um, set up the structure of the meeting, they brought in an outside facilitator, and they went through these kind of tedious exercises to try, you know, to get subgroups in the room working together, and and ultimately what happened is a lot of ideas about how to improve. Uh, some of the challenges that this ordinance was originally slated to address, you know, subpar housing, um, health and safety issues in, in the rental housing stock. So, you know, at the end of this meeting, you've got all of these people that came together, and through the, the structure and the format of this meeting, the council was basically able to get these people to all um, come up with ideas on how to improve or replace 
the ordinance once it was repealed. And I, I, I'm going to assume the best of intentions, but there is a conspiratorial, uh, or a conspiratorial component or possibility here. And so let me make it understood that the Dan Carpenter's uh, initiative received around 9,000 signatures, and they turned it in early. That's something like nearly four times or three times the required number of signatures um, to, to have the initiative basically validated. And so it's relatively clear, even after they go through and, and beat up, you know, bad signatures or whatever they do, um, that initiative is going to have the necessary um, signatures to be confirmed. Once it's confirmed, two things can happen. The first is the city council can adopt that without changing at all. And the, the, the initiative is basically a repeal, but it has another component to it, and that component basically says that you can, in the future, you can never discriminate based on housing kind. That means you can't ever have an ordinance or a program that specifically targets just the rental housing stock. It's important to realize that if that clause becomes law or accepted policy, then uh, rent control will not be possible in San Luis Obispo. The other option the council has, besides adopting it without changing it, is to actually put it on the ballot and let the voters decide. Now, if they do that, they can create and or support an alternative measure. It could be argued that the entire intent of that meeting was to get the, the strongest opponents of the real inspection ordinance or the greatest proponents of the repeal to participate in and therefore have some buy-in foundationally into the um, initiatives alternative that the council could put forward on the ballot. Do you follow all that? Yes. So I think that it's important for everybody just to think about all of, all of what's really going on behind the scenes with this. Now, the good news is, at the end of that night, they did put a stay on all um, inspections. The ordinance has not been repealed. Additionally, they instructed city staff to take the feedback that they had gotten from that meeting, i.e. all the suggestions about how to better address the concerns and issues, and and put that into um, a program and bring it back to the city council. So... So a bunch of people showed up to this meeting and overwhelmingly voted that they wanted a full repeal of this program, and that led to a discussion with exercises and yada yada, where basically they were trying to suggest that maybe a full repeal is not the way to go, and that let's look at some other options, and we'll bring that back? Is that kind of the gist of it? Well, yeah. What I'm suggesting is that they were basically coerced through the structure and the format of the meeting to participate in the creation of a replacement program. Huh. And I, I just find it really fascinating. I, I left that meeting in, in 
in astonishment. I mean, I, I, was, I just couldn't believe what had happened because, you know, on one hand, I thought it was really productive, and some of the things that came out of it were really good concepts and, and might even be appropriate to implement. But the, the greater impact that that had on me is, is how a group can basically be led down a path that they had no, absolute, no, no intentions of going down, no interest in going down, and may actually have been coerced into supporting a replacement yes. program that they never would have advocated for or supported when they originally went into that meeting. Now, some people will think that that's a good thing, and maybe it is. You know, some people will think that they were boondoggled, and an argument could be made to some extent that that happened as well. Huh. If that was truly their goal, then I'd say job well done. Yeah, and I don't know that it was, but I mean, I, I think that it's pretty clear that the the council has got some heartburn over the potential consequences of the initiative. And if they have indeed started to strategize about, you know, what their options are to, uh, to have an alternative uh, outcome, then this was a really brilliant tactic to get some of you know, the, the most strongly vocal opponents of the inspection ordinance to buy in to some potential alternatives um, down the road. Wes, you're making some good radio here. I'm wondering if we can um, invite you to stay on the line as we invite another caller on to, um, I, I'm assuming, address this topic. Sure. Okay. Um, let's bring Pete from San Luis Obispo on into the conversation here. Yes, I was at that meeting from the beginning. Well, I lasted two hours. The council attempted but failed to bore me to death with their uh, childish let's get it together games. Um, put us in groups and made us run through these little silly exercises about communication and all this stuff. <clears throat> and uh, we finally assembled in some other groups to come up with, as previous caller said, alternatives to the actual repeal. An honest council would have announced at the beginning of the meeting that they received more than double the signatures required to probably cause them to just repeal it. Now, the, the current mayor is only there because the former mayor supported this, mm -hmm. largely contributed to her defeat, as well as the 22 Choro fiasco and other things. And... <clears throat> So it's, I was very disappointed in the performance of the council. They probably spent a bunch of money hiring some PR people to run us through all that stuff. The acoustics were poor. Um, I don't know what happened after two hours. I just I couldn't stand it any longer. But I did read in the paper that they did the suspension thing, which is another dishonest act. They should have voted to repeal. Plus, they never announced they were going to take a vote that night to the people there. They just said, oh, we're just getting together in a little cheering section, see what we can do about this. And it's a moot point. It's over. It was over before that meeting started because the petitions were turned in. Hmm. They must now repeal it or call for an expensive election, which will just cause more angst in the community. Um, pretty amazing. Even this council, even though three of them campaigned loosely or not so loosely on repeal, 
Dan Rivar was there and gave us a little lecture about civility, community, democracy, and most notoriously egregious neighborhood wellness, hmm. which the council regularly votes against. But he voted against us before. The two Dans, I think, were the votes against this program. And he still played along with this ridiculous charade. Amazing. Mind-boggling. Um, Pete, thanks for calling with your first-hand account. <laughs> Appreciate it. Bye bye. Yeah, with both both Wes and Pete. I'm, yeah, I'm wishing I was there. So, what? Any feedback for us, Wes, on on Pete's take on it? Sounds like you guys are kind of in the same boat that it seemed very orchestrated. Yeah, and I've uh, I, I've tried to stay a little more diplomatic, but I, I honestly think that um, that Pete's take on it was probably shared by the, the majority of the people that were there that night. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the format that the council used would have been great if we'd had a, an issue at the table that there was really, you know, more of a, there was there was more middle ground on. They the whole format was based on the presumption that there was middle ground or that there was a problem to solve. And I think the vast majority of the people in that room simply don't believe that there was uh, originally a problem that this ordinance addressed. You know, I mean. There, to my knowledge, there have been no deaths or even injuries to anybody, including the tenants, um, due to you know the the concerns that this ordinance ordinance was was out to address. And I think the vast majority of the people in in attendance um, the other night felt that uh, that that was the case, and that that a, re- a replacement ordinance was something that they came there to fight. But by the end of the exercise. They'd... Willingly, <laughs> willingly or not, they had participated in the creation of a replacement ordinance. Uh, I think all these resources should just be geared at educating tenants of their rights and setting up, you know, a, a better avenue for a tenant to be able to get assistance if they believe that they're being taken advantage of in an unhealthy or unsafe environment by an egregious landlord. Yeah, well, that's that's certainly. Uh a position that probably would have been popular in the room the other evening. Weird. Fascinating. Well, okay. Well, I guess we'll continue to be disappointed by government and their uh, charades and lack of uh, desire and ability to represent the people. Wes, thanks for calling and bring us up to date on that. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. You guys take care, man. Adios. Wow, That's that sounds like an exciting meeting. Yeah. Really exciting. Hmm. I mean, it's been such a hot topic for the last year or more in the real estate community as this, you know, was rumored to be coming about as it came about, as it started getting implemented. And now as it's being fought and potentially repealed, but not quite yet, just suspended. Partially repealed. Yeah. Well, how disappointed would this room full of people been if you said, okay, repeal it entirely. And then next week at a new meeting, you bring in your proposed initiative of crafting a new ordinance that's the same but different so likewise what you have is city staff and council is basically wanting some 
iteration of this to happen and they're going to achieve it in one way or another. And so they didn't they didn't do the old distractionary thing of having one meeting and letting everybody go and then introducing it again later. They attempted to let everybody know that, oh, we'll suspend it, but some tweak of this is coming and and like Wes said now you now you're all participating in creating the the uh the replacement yeah well i mean there was enough noise made prior to all this to get uh, a law or whatever an ordinance drafted and and put in you know voted on and approved so there was there was enough noise on one side about the safety of the community and and things like that that got this thing to the table in the first place and now we've got this vocal group that's you know been very against it and trying to get it repealed so i think there's there's maybe some you know the the meetings are funny the way they work regardless of of what municipality you're in whether it's a local city local county some somewhere else it's it's the same everywhere these there's these issues that get people very um excited and impassioned and they go to these meetings and they they have these maybe a decision already in their mind of how they feel about an issue but there is another side to it and maybe maybe it's not you know i'm trying to trying to play devil's advocate to some extent here maybe there's it's not a bad idea to try to get these people who've come in with their preconceived ideas of, of what they think should happen and get them to Okay, here, let's here's a little board you can put your red dot on it and vote for what you think, but now let's talk about it and see if you really understand that there may be a middle ground and let's at least get those ideas on the table and then if we still agree that the middle ground's not where we want to be, we want to be on, you know, one end or the other, then so be it, but you know, maybe slowing it down and having a discussion isn't the worst thing in the world, but it sounds like you know, maybe people were kind of led into this meeting thinking it was going to go one way and it went well, I feel like way. that's how it started. There was a what's been described as a vocal minority created the, you know, the buzz and necessity for this and then city was assigned coming up with the guidelines and procedures for the ordinance. They made a proposal, public spoke out against it, council agreed to it. It got implemented. They had a massive backlash that required an overwhelming majority um, of signatures acquired in record time, turned in early because there was just no need to continue. And this was, that was the repeal effort. And then in the repeal effort, they basically said, fine, let's revisit the planning stage of this and figure out how to give you one that you should have. So I, I can see the frustration there. I mean, yeah. who knows? The saga is not over. No, there, there'll <laughs> be more to come about this. Um, yeah, good times. There's more and more real estate for sale. I saw um, today there's a listing on your street. Is there? Yeah. Um, 2071. Oh, that's way at the other end. Looks pretty fancy. It's uh, at the other end where houses are selling for 940 grand. Woo! Three bed, two and a half bath, 2,500 square feet. 374 bucks a square foot. That's a pretty hefty price per square foot there on that place. Is that common for Morro Bay? 374 bucks a square foot. Yeah, that's actually under the median for last year. I think Morro Bay last year was right around 430 a square foot. 
This is a nice house. When you click through all the pictures, I mean, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I want to say nine hundred and thirty-nine grand will get you pretty epic view of Morro Bay, the water and the rock. You got a little surf view. The massive surf that's out there right now. Yeah, I saw the Coast Guard this morning because I, I follow them on the Facebook thing. They were posting live video in, inside the harbor mouth. Oh, I oh bet my it's gosh. Crazy. Yeah. I didn't see that the bar was closed, but it, it seems like it probably should be. That was tore up out there. <laughs> That's crazy. There's, I mean, I guess it just makes sense with the wind and the, the storm, but that's pretty wild. <laughs> to my point earlier, Dan, we were talking about um, getting pre-approved. Mm-hmm. This this property on Ironwood here in Morro Bay for nine hundred thirty nine grand has a calculator at the bottom. Forty five sixty per month. Hmm. That's it. And what's that? Who assume? can afford that? But what does that assume? What kind of down payment? This one actually does say you need twenty percent down payment, which is one hundred eighty seven thousand eight hundred dollars. Now the funny thing though is that. This calculator builds this thing up, says, yo, 20% down, 187 grand. Um, and then it's popping out a 30-year fixed at 3.99 interest. That's pretty misleading because that's going to be a real jumbo loan. And 3.99 on a jumbo on a jumbo is not possible. That's a, well, I mean, you, well, you could is, pay a lot of points down. and you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't do that on a loan that size. Could you imagine paying three points to get that rate on this deal? You'd be better off keeping your, you know, extra $20,000 of interest money in the bank. But, um, but you could look at like a first and a second piggyback type. Yeah. You loan. could do a first and a second piggyback. I mean, you could, you could get, a, that's a way that you could do this to avoid down payment that large of a down payment and mortgage insurance. I mean, you can, and you can get some better rates if you can keep that first as a, as a conforming a conventional loan, as opposed to a jumbo loan. Yeah. So yeah. sure is a nice house. All the reason why you got to figure out your, you know, how you can qualify, what the options are. It's a man, what a it's beautiful house. Part. But yeah, I would my suggestion would be you step on in and get the financing, all that, the the buying part of it all nailed down, figure out. As you know, the cool thing too is that if you put your energy into understanding the financing very well, um, even if this house isn't the one you ultimately get, I mean, maybe it sells right before you get there. Maybe it um, you know, you get there and you realize you don't like the junkyard next door. There's all these reasons why. Um, but your financing is, once that's nailed down, then, you know, that's transferable from property to property. Um, it's, the, it's the right first step. We had a, a good show today, a couple great calls uh, from Wes and Pete, both present at the the slow city council meeting regarding that rental inspection ordinance. So we talked a good amount about that. Talked a lot about reverse mortgages. If that's something that you're interested in or just interested in learning more about, we're happy to counsel you. Just call you. 543 loan. <laughs> Just call 543 loan. And, um, you know, we can't say it enough. Getting pre approved is the first step in buying a home. So come see us. Let's talk about credit. Let's talk about down payment. Let's talk about loan programs. Figure out what it will take to get you into a home. And then you can start 
um, whether that's sites on the perfect property. Yeah, whether that's next month or next year, I don't think it's ever too soon to start planning for that. And honestly. we don't say it enough, but it's free. There's no charge to sit down and talk about getting pre-approved or getting pre-approved for a home. It's just it's no, something that we do. No obligation, no pressure, just the service. So um, yeah, again, if you guys want that help, call us. The number is five four three loan, which is five four three five six two six. Yeah, just, just call five four three loan. Um, or the web, centralcoastlending.com. Guys, thanks a bunch for being with us today. Um, be safe out there. Stay dry and and safe. We'll be back next week. Maybe not. Oh, no, that's next month. Yeah, you'll be back next week. Dan's, Dan's off the 25th of next month. I looked up and was like, shoosh. All right, guys, take care. Thanks for being with us.